This is Pastor Steve Berger with This Is That, where we bring biblical clarity to cultural chaos. We want to thank you for listening today, and remember, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel or to this podcast so you don't miss another episode. God bless you. We pray that this is a blessing for you today. What's up? What's up? Hey, welcome back to This Is That, where we bring biblical clarity to cultural chaos. I'm Steve Berger, the founder of Ambassador Services International. Now, today we're going to take an interesting look. It's interesting, it's insightful, but it's also extremely practical. Like this is going to put flesh and bone on the concepts that we've been talking about repentance. So, We're going to need you to think today. I need you to follow me because we see this really interesting correlation between King David in Psalm 32 and what he writes there about confession and repentance. And then that age old, one of the most famous stories in all of the scripture, the story of the prodigal son. There is a very real connection between Psalm 32 and the story of the prodigal son from Luke chapter 15. Now, because we're going to go back and forth, I'm just going to let you know up front, like you need to pay attention to this and and stick with me. It's not going to be difficult, but what I want you to see in all of this is kind of the culmination of what we've been talking about repentance and then how it um, is really just kind of worked out in a very real story Uh, in the prodigal son. So we're going to go back and forth, Psalm 32, Luke 15, King David, and the prodigal son. So let's jump into this. I want to start with Luke chapter 32, or excuse me, Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Listen to what David writes and says. He said, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, it's interesting here because the word that that David uses for blessed is actually in the plural. Now, in English, it isn't good grammar at all, but it would be blessedness is, blessedness is, okay? It means that there is a multiplicity of, of blessed benefits, that come to the person. There are piles of happiness. There are treasures of riches for the forgiven, the covered, and the uncharged or unimputed uh, is the word that we see here. Now, these piles of happiness, these blessednesses, I want you to notice here, they're not for the perfect. And this is what I want you to understand about repentance. Repentance isn't for the perfect. Confession of sin isn't for the perfect. And the the blessednesses aren't for the perfect. The law keeper, not for them, but for the imperfect, for the law breaker, who simply, listen to me, who simply responds to God on God's terms. That's where the blessednesses come from, responding to God on his terms And God's terms for broken, sinful humanity is repentance, okay? Now, look at these three words that describe sin. And these three words uh, represent what God's pardon looks like. 
the word Selah is used there, which means you really need to stop and think about this. Take a pause, meditate on this. Listen to the totality of sin and brokenness that God forgives when we repent. The first word, transgression. A transgression is rebellion against God, okay? And he says that your transgression is forgiven, which means that your transgression, your rebellion against God is gets lifted. It gets carried away. You, you get eased from this rebellion that you've participated in. So transgression is one word. The next word is just the word sin. What is sin? Sin is an offense. And it's an offense against God. It's usually an offense against other people. But the word sin here is an offense. And what does he say? Your sin, your offenses are covered. Listen, friends, they're concealed. They're hidden. They're clothed. Look at what God does when we repent and respond to him on his terms. The third word for sin here is iniquity. Now, iniquity is like the ultimate of all sins. It is perversity. It is deliberate desire. It is it is a planned and orchestrated sin where you know it's wrong, you don't care it's wrong, and you're going to rebel and do the perversity anyway. You mean to tell me that God forgives that kind of sin if we'll come to him on his own terms that he's laid out through the, the concept of repentance? Absolutely. He said your iniquity will not be imputed toward you. It won't even be considered or counted against you. Listen to this quote from Charles Spurgeon. I love this. He said, transgression, sin, and iniquity. They are the three-headed dog at the gates of hell, but our glorious Lord has silenced its barkings forever against his own believing ones. The trinity of sin is overcome by the trinity of heaven. Isn't that beautiful? Transgression, sin, and iniquity. Transgression is forgiven, sin is covered, and iniquity is not charged against us. Now, what is the key? Listen to me now, friends. What is the key to this kind of forgiveness from God? There's no deceit. It said the last two words in Psalm 32, one and two, that there's no deceit. It means there's no trickery going on. There's no games being played. It means that you genuinely, from your heart, are confessing your sin. You've owned your sin. You're turning from your sin. You're turning to God. And then God, because you've responded to him on his terms, therefore God comes through and forgives in such an unbelievably deep, loving, and gracious way. But there can't be any games no trickery, no deceit. It's got to be real. It's got to be genuine. All right, now let's move on a little bit more. Verses three and four of Psalm 32. David writes and says, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. And then there's that word again, Selah. Think about this. Stop. Really consider what is being said right here. Friends, here's what it is. Listen to me. 
when we keep silent from confessing our sin, that sin becomes an internal poison in us. It dries up the fountain of life within us. You need to think of just a parched, broken up desert floor that has had no living water on it. And it's only just parched and puckered and cracked. He said, that's the spiritual condition of your soul. When we keep silent from confessing our sin, our vitality, our life gets turned into the drought of summer. Now, I'm sure I'm not the only one listening to this and reading this that's ever felt that before. Can I get an amen from somebody? You felt that before. So have I, okay? Because we get all worked up in our moment and we're so filled with guilt and shame over our sin that we've committed, our transgression, our iniquity, that oftentimes instead of running to a loving, merciful God, we go the other way. And when we go the other way and we stay silent from sin, what happens? Man, we just get dried up inside. We groan and cry and our bones feel like they're old. Man, listen, I'm telling you, a lot of people, they don't understand that the depression and the oppression that they're feeling. I get that people have chemical issues and all of that. I'm not making light of oppression or depression at all. But what I am saying is this, some people's problem isn't chemical or biological or even mental, it's spiritual. And because of their lack of confession of sin and repentance from sin, man, their vitality is dried up. And so they're feeling kind of that parched, barren, fruitless lifestyle that would be indicative of a parched desert floor, all right? So there's what David says about what it's like to experience the goodness of God, the first two verses, and then verse three and four, he says, man, here's what it looks like. I mean, here's what it really, really looks like when we're silent, okay? Now, in comes the prodigal son. So we're gonna switch from Psalm 32 over to Luke chapter 15, verses 14 through 16. Now, for time's sake, you remember the prodigal son is the young dude, that takes his father's inheritance. He goes to a far and distant land. He wastes all of his inheritance. He wastes all of his father's money on partying and sinning, right? There's the transgression, the sin and the iniquity in this young guy's heart. He's doing everything wrong that he possibly can. And then we get to Luke 15 verses 14 through 16. Listen to these words. But when he had spent all, everything that he had, there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and yet no one gave him anything. I mean, you talk about your vitality being dried up. You talk about having nothing in your bones feeling like they're growing old and groaning inside. It's this kid right here who squandered everything, lost everything. He's broken, hungry, humiliated. At this point in the story, he's unrepentant. <clears throat> he's silent from confessing his sin. The heavy hand, listen, of a loving father is upon him in hopes of turning him homeward. Now let's go back to Psalm 32, okay? Prodigal David comes to his senses, unlike the prodigal son at this point in the story. Listen to Psalm 32, verse five. David comes to his senses and he said, I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord 
and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And there's that word again, Selah. Stop, pause, think about the depth of the mercy and the grace of God in this. I acknowledged my sin. He owned it. He wasn't running from it. My iniquity, I haven't hidden. I'm not trying to cover it up. I'm not being deceitful or deceptive. I'm not playing spiritual games. And I said, I'm going to confess my transgressions. There's sin, iniquity, and transgression all over again. But David says, man, I've got to confess. I've got to come clean. And when I did, God forgave the iniquity of my sin. Friends, every single one of us have to go from groaning in our silence to owning our sin. Call it what it is. We have to grow, go, excuse me, from the silence to repentance, from distance from God, being in a far off country, like it said, to nearness of God. And when that happens, forgiveness is right behind it. Forgiveness, restoration, healing from God is right there. Now let's go back to the prodigal son. Broken and silent, from confessing sin the last time we saw him. But now look what happens. Just like Psalm 32, just like David, again, this correlation between these two great passages of scripture, Luke 15, 17 through 19. But when he, speaking of the prodigal son, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Do you see what happened here, friends? It all starts with, he came to his senses. He owned his sin. What did David say? I acknowledged my sin. I got tired of being silent. I got tired of my vitality being dried up. I acknowledged it and I confessed it. Okay, same thing here that the prodigal does. He came to his senses, he owns his sin, and then he went to his father. No more distance. And when he comes to his father, his plan is to confess. I'm gonna come clean. Here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what I'm gonna say. I'm going to get right with my father. David said, I'm gonna get right with the Lord. I've gotta own this stuff. Now, back to Psalm 32. Prodigal David received forgiveness Now he encourages us, those who will read this story for generations to come, to confess of our own sin. And then he boasts in the blessing of what happens when we are forgiven. Psalm 32, 6 and 7. For this cause, this cause of confession and repentance, for this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. He said, God, you're my hiding place. You're going to preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. Meditate. Consider the depth of that. Listen, friends. Godly people confess and repent. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall do this. Godly people confess and repent. Godly people experience their transgressions forgiven, their sin covered, and their iniquity not charged against them. I love this. Godly people find security for their souls by hiding in God's 
presence. Godly people are preserved from troubles of guilt and shame and fear. Godly people are surrounded with songs of deliverance. Confessing and repenting, friends, it activates the blessednesses of God and breaks the power of the enemy. Now let's jump back to the prodigal son. We're going to see the correlation here. He's going to come home. Luke 15, 20 through 24. And so the son arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. Look at this and had compassion. And he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. And they begin to make merry. Now look at this. I don't want this to get lost on us. They begin to make merry. And that Greek word means that there was music and singing and dancing because the kid came to his senses and he came home to his father and confessed and repented. And the father and everybody else surrounding the father began to throw a party because this kid who was lost in sin and in silence, who was lost in dryness, who was lost in death, came home, (coughs) excuse me, and received from a loving father that which only the loving father could give him. Isn't this beautiful? Now, when we look at this, we see what what the blessednesses of God should do. It should cause us, beloved, to sing our own songs of deliverance. It should cause us to, to extol and to magnify God because remember, again, our transgressions, they're forgiven. Our sins, they're covered. Our iniquities are not charged against us because we came to ourselves, we came to our senses and we repented and confessed and we ran to God. See, this is what repentance looks like. It's not just acknowledging, it's acknowledging and confessing, but it's not just acknowledging and confessing. It's then running to God and saying, Lord, here I am. I need you. And when God says, All right, here's here's the deal, kid. Let me pour out the blessednesses of myself on you. Man, then we sing songs of deliverance and we love God that much more. Quickly, back to Psalm 32, verses eight and nine. We're gonna wrap it up here. God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Don't be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which have to be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Listen, friends, God wants to guide our lives with his eye. How can you guide someone with with your eye unless that person's close? You see, God is saying, I want you to look into my face and I want to look into your face and I want to be able to be so close to you, so intimate with you that I can guide you with my eye. I can make my eyes go this way and you'll follow that way. I can make my eyes go that way and you'll follow me that way. Or I can look you straight in the eye and just pour out my love and grace on you. 
Listen, this is the heart of God for us. Even when we're in our sin, even when we're a far way off, even when we're still making our way back and haven't yet fully uh, been embraced by his mercy, he sees us when we're still a far way off and he has compassion on us and he will run to meet us if we will run to meet him. It requires us running to meet him and this is what repentance looks like. All right, friends. He goes on here and he says, verse 10 and 11, many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Friends, listen to me. If you and I can learn to trust God's forgiveness as a result of our repenting from every type of sin that we can commit, where there's no deceit involved, Listen, friends, mercy shall surround us. The blessednesses of God will surround us and it'll cause us to rejoice and to shout for joy. Trust God today to pour out the blessednesses of himself on you if you need to repent. Do you need to acknowledge what's been going on? Do you need to confess it to God? Do you need to run to him? Do it in sincerity. Do it without deceit or being disingenuous. Give him your heart and make it real and watch God show off for you and pour out his love and grace on you. Well, there you go, friends. If you need to confess your sin today, you need to repent. Man, I'm telling you, the blessednesses of God are waiting to embrace you. Do it today. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let the devil tell you God is disgusted with you and he doesn't want to see you anymore and you've done this too many times. No, no, no. To hell with the devil. Run to the throne of grace and let God do something beautiful in your life. All right, beloved, we love you. We trust that this word on repentance over the last several weeks has been a blessing to you. Man, let it be a part of your spiritual DNA. Don't ever forget, repentance isn't just For that first time when we come to Christ, repentance is something that we operate in through our relationship with Jesus until we see him face to face. Well, God bless you. I look forward to seeing you next week. Remember, this is that. Man, sign up for the the podcast. Go to Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and make sure you sign up. Man, get our emails. Uh, Go to steveberger.org and Man, help us get the word out. But make sure you're getting these teachings. Make sure you share them with other people. Be a social media missionary and help us get the word out. All right? God bless you guys. I look forward to seeing you next week. Take care. We'll see you soon.